Welcome to the Body Positivity Podcast with Arliss and Diana. And we are so excited today because we have an awesome guest named Leanne. Diana, would you like to do her introduction? Absolutely. Oh, God, I love Leanne. Leanne is the Honolulu personal trainer that specializes in helping women 35 plus level up their muscles and moderation to create a sustainable food and fitness lifestyle so they can love the skin that they're already in. Welcome, Leanne. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Pleasure. I I love Leanne. Leanne works with me as my personal trainer and I just love the work that we get to do together, Leanne. Um, And thank you for joining us today. I'm I'm so excited to be here. Thank you. So I would love to start off by asking you, Leanne, what is a part of your body that you have loved the most? You know, to be honest, I saw that question and I was like, whoa, I had to think about it because I spent a long, a long time. I would say probably most of my midlife. not really loving any part, but through some, you know, life experience, what I realized is that I really, really appreciate um, my mind as the body part that I love, because um, despite some hurdles that I've been through, my mind has always been able to remain positive, even when stuff was really like down in the dumps. And I really attribute that to me being able to like push and move forward. So that is a part I love, just my ability to kind of pivot and always kind of find get glass half uh, full kind of scenario, you know, type of mindset. I love that. I think that um, that's a that's a highly under-exercised part of the body. <laughs> Let's just put it that way. <laughs> I think people think about it, to be honest. I think when that question comes across, people always think of, you know, aesthetic parts of their body, whether it be their eyes or their hair color or their abs. Well, especially in my business, right, which is very aesthetic focused. But um, again, it's taken me a long time to really appreciate the fact that, you know, it's not what you love about your body doesn't have to be what society has sort of. I don't want to, you know, I say brainwashed you or like embedded in you that, oh, you have to love some part of your body because it looks a certain way. Right. So then I started to sort of not, I don't want to say rebel, but just kind of really appreciate parts of my body that wasn't necessarily attached to an aesthetic look, like a physical appearance. And that's where mine comes into play. (laughs) I love that, you know, and one of the things that a lot of people don't know is we're told from an early age that we only use 10% of our brain and that's just not true. We use the entire thing all the time and um, people would just be blown away to see MRIs or fMRIs seeing the areas of our brain light up doing different things. And so when you say your mind it's, you know, it's something that you're using all the time in everything that you do. And so it makes complete sense to me why you would choose that. And to me, the mind is in most cases, the most beautiful part of a person. Right. 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 I mean, it's, and again, like people don't think about it and it's just like, I think I did a post the other day about your mind because for a really long time, I really thrived off of my ability to like use my mind to get through stuff. Um, especially when I started a competitive, like triathlon racing, I always was, I always was like proud of like, I got a strong mind. I would say, Hey, I'm not the fastest triathlete. I'm not the leanest 
personal trainer out there. I'm not the most, you know, but my mind is I can get into this laser focus and get what I need to be done, get to get done. And that worked like a champ for a really long time. But then over time, I realized your mind can also be your worst enemy because you can either use your mind to accomplish great things, or you can use your mind that will drive you straight into the ground. Right. So I think I talk about that more because I see a a lot of that sort of common thread with my ladies and sort of like driving themselves to the ground, chasing this aesthetic look without realizing, okay, well, let's, let's try and fix what's going up here first. Right. Like, you know, why do we want to do this thing and why are we chasing this thing over here? And like, how can we reposition our, our mindset around it, our frame of thought around it to be more like loving to ourselves as like a whole. Yeah, I could go on and on about that. <laughs> That's awesome. Thank you. Yeah, I think there's so, a lot to be said about the aesthetic, right? Or, or what we um, have an expectation that so much of fitness and wellness um, is seen visually or expected to be visual as opposed to really internal. And what I'm hearing you say, Leanne, is like realizing that taking fitness and wellness a level up is about going beyond the appearance and the aesthetic and into the true well-being and really understanding that that comes from beingness, right? As right. opposed to, you know, and that, and coming from the mind, really. Yeah. And a lot of people don't want to hear that because that's not sexy, right? That doesn't sell training sessions. I, and I don't, I don't bank my business on these extreme before and afters and like this, look at, you know, Jane Doe over here who lost 40 pounds before her wedding, because that's just not my philosophy um, in terms of why I'm training you. I, I want to empower you through food and fitness in a way that you just love what you're doing and that you start to learn how to appreciate your body moving and eating in all these different ways. That is sort of like, that's where the confidence comes from. Right. And then where the aesthetic falls out is where it falls out. And it may not be what you had originally thought, whether it's a size, a dress size, a number on the scale, a certain look, but it's going to be the most well-balanced, holistic and mentally healthy kind of programming for you. Right. So that's kind of my, my my mission to spread the word amongst the ladies out there <laughs> men too but i mostly attract women so <laughs> i love that and i have definitely experienced that in my life you know i went to target last week because i didn't really have any shorts or like summer clothes to wear um for whatever reason well i know what reason it is cuz i've shrank in the last <laughs> 9 months to a year awesome. but i really haven't lost any weight you know in the last 3 months or so i'm the same exact weight that i've been so i went to the racks and i got out the double x's cuz i wear i weigh you know 270 pounds or something like that and that's what i used to wear it's the first time that i've gone to a dressing room and everything was way too big and i had to buy mostly larges actually and a couple of extra larges and so it was such a great reminder to me that my fitness level and my body size has nothing to do with the scale it like those numbers don't don't dictate what size I am. 
Right. That's so good. And that's a good point, too, because I want people to realize when they hear me sometimes say, I won't prescribe you a set diet unless we're working toward a really specific goal, which in terms of are you racing and looking for a time goal? You know, are you an event uh, an athletic event and we're looking for like a performance goal, then, you know, we need to like, you know, be a little bit more streamlined in terms of the plan and direction to get there. But when people hear my, my mission in terms of being a trainer, I think they think, well, I'm anti-diet. And the thing is, I want people to know is I'm not anti-diet. I'm not anti-working out and losing weight to look good or chasing. I am what is most important for you as you as a unique person and how are we going to get you there healthy safe and sound right if you come to me and you're trying to get into this size and it, and you're just killing yourself you know with exercise and extreme diet then i'm going to try and help you see a different way and feel like, okay, this is not the route for us to go because your body is giving us messages and sending us cues that you're fighting against. And that eventually that's just going to lead to a a dead end for us. Right. So that's what my work too, as a coach, because it's easy to me. It's, and I kind of get blasted sometimes to me, it's easy for trainers to take somebody and get a, a, a wicked awesome before and after, right? You have a client that's just so eager to be this number on the scale, be this small size, and they're willing to do anything. They're desperate, whatever you tell them to do. So you go and put them, and I've seen trainers do this all the time. You go and you tell them do two hours of cardio a day. You go and give them a 1200 calorie diet. Yeah, shit. Yeah. In two weeks, they're going to drop 10, 15 pounds easy, right? You know, is that healthy? Is that sustainable? For that fleeting two weeks, they attain what they think they have set out to, right? But at what cost? At what trade-off? And then can they can they keep that up? No. So what's going to happen, right? The rebound after the two weeks, after the two months, maybe not, maybe it's a slow thing after two years, but I try to teach women that you always end up rebounding hard when we start off so extreme and restrictive here, right? Like there's no, I want to say not, not necessarily like easy is earned, but there's something to be said about going through the work that starts with the mind, right? And doing that ground level work and going through the process and, and putting it like, you know, notes to the wall and doing like in terms of figuring out your why, streamlining how you eat in terms of like maybe being sure you're not restrictive, you're not over exercising, you're not under eating, you're managing your stress, your sleep is good and getting all of those ducks in a row before we even start to manipulate anything in terms of exercise or food for a aesthetic goal. Right. So I'm just about like, what's best for that person. That's, that's like my philosophy, but people, sometimes I think they get think like Leon's anti-diet. Leon's not going to prescribe me a diet. Leon, I, I don't want it. Some, you know, I'm, I don't want to tell Leanne I want to lose weight because she's so anti-loss weight. No, I'm not. I'm like pro what works best for you. That's going to keep you healthy and living life, you know, and enjoying the ride. Cause this is it for us. Right. Every day we got one less day. So let's just maximize our time here. (laughs) I love that. Yeah. Um, That's awesome. I'm hearing you say, you know, the really your philosophy is much more about sustainability and um, creating something that's that's like lasting and healthy and like um, not doing it in an extreme way. And I think that that's great. Um, I've definitely paid the price on the other side. 
Um, and yeah, like I, for me, the way I worked with my, um, my challenges with overeating and with extreme diet and all that kind of stuff, um, was really starting to see it more as a pattern of almost addiction on both sides. Um, where that, you know, there was a part of me that was like addicted to the, you know, the self-abuse in a way. Um, and another part of me that was addicted to, you know, the, um, the like hedonistic side of like overeating kind of thing and like realizing that and being honest and open and um, you know, like it, I think it's, it's hard to see because like, you know, you, you see it overall as a means of somebody chasing something um, that feels unattainable and just like having a lot of shame and judgment around the, the whole process has, was at least my experience. And yeah, I just, I find it kind of hard. Um, so I, I definitely, it's part of why I love working with you, Leanne, is because it's not about, um, it's not about a number on a scale. It's about well-being. Um, even is. today we talked about uh, consistency, right? When you were like, what's, what's the goal? I'm like, I just want to keep working out. I want I want someone to make sure I'm working out. <laughs> Help me do that. Right. Um, and then, and yeah. then you came back with the, you, you, you initially prefaced it with something like, I know it's not a big goal. So you can see how like sometimes the self-sabotage comes in, right. And trying to buffer a really positive statement and a, and a positive big win, but there's something about it. And, and it's in with our mindset, right. That's quick to undercut it and preface it with the, well, it's not that lofty of a goal, but it's my goal. And I said, no, this is consistency is level one, man. If we can't, if we can't build the foundation of that house, which is doing the thing a little bit, most days than not, we can't go to the next level and the next level and the next level. So that was a huge win. So I think it's also, yeah, remembering like giving yourself grace and all, and, and just trying to turn that when you feel that little bit of like, you know, that inner critic rear its head on that shoulder that peeps up and is like, you don't tell the trainer your goal is consistency. That's not good enough. No, they like smack that, like shit up. <laughs> that's a great goal, right? But then again, that's what helps with working with a coach in any aspect, right? When all your fears and all these negative negative voices start to pop up, your coach kind of helps you and works through that because we see that time and again, right? So like you see it with your clients, artist sees it with her clients. So yeah, but. I like to touch upon that as exercise, as an addiction, because that hits close to home for me in terms of I am really, I really, really <laughs> don't like when people tell me that exercise, oh, it's, this is what they used to always tell me. Well, you can't, you can never exercise too much because exercise is good for you. <laughs> oh, exercise, you're addicted to exercise. Oh, that's really good then that you're addicted to exercise that keeps you exercising a lot, right? People, because there's like this um, like good connotation around it, they can't wrap their head that it can also become ugly. But when we started the podcast and we talked about mine, we all very know that our mind can either really work with us or it can really work against us. And the same thing with exercise. So it's hard. I, I'm glad that you talked about it because I want people to see that, yes, exercise when you do exercise, it does cause a chemical reaction in the brain that is similar to getting high. Endorphins release, all these different hormones are going through you. And you, if people that are sensitive to that can definitely start to get addicted to the feeling, chasing that high. And then especially 
when you start and you're getting the results that you're chasing, right? That's just another level of the high. And then you just get into this cycle, right? More, 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 more results, more results, do more, do more. And then you just get on this hamster wheel. But yeah, so that is, I'm glad you brought that up. So our follow-up question is what part of your body do you feel the most challenged with or have in the past? That's super easy. I've, I like, it's been like, it was, I can, she, since I can remember maybe like third grade, third grade, second grade, it's been my stomach. It's like my nemesis, to be honest. It's like, I don't know. I think it started with, I had a young teen mom was very weight focused, love her to death. She did the best she could. (laughs) but, um, she just all, I think she was very sensitive to my weight as a very young child. And because she was a young mom coming into her own herself that had her own insecurities. Like now as an adult, I can see where it came from, but when you're in it as a little girl and your mom's always commenting about your appearance, like your face looks too chubby. Don't wear that shirt. Like Cause you look like you have a spare tire around your stomach. I mean, I can, it's so funny to me, like how these statements she's made to me, right. Like just stay in, ingrained, like tattooed in my brain forever. If I were to sit down and talk to her about it, I think she would probably not even remember, you know, to be honest. Um, and, you know, I, I have been, it's been a long work in progress for me to work through my own stuff. But I think for, with that, her and my dad being super weight focused on, on me, uh, it really drew attention that I always just, just hated my stomach, to be honest. I despised it. I think I remember like in third grade, looking in the mirror and just grabbing my like fat roll on my stomach and just think like, God, I wish I could get a knife and cut it off. Like just this piece that like cut it off. And I would like, think about that and squeeze it in the mirror and like, try to think about like, how could I get rid of this? I would literally go out and like wish upon a star to wake up skinny like this, like in third, fourth, fifth grade, I was just like, Oh my God. I just like, wish I could wake up skinny, wish I could wake up skinny. And then it was this weird thing because my mom, then were so weight focused, but then they would love to feed us and give us all the food we wanted. So candy, soda, ice cream. We never had restriction. So I think for me, it was a sort of weird convoluted message of we love you here. We love you with food here. Eat the food, finish your plate, clean your plate, but you're chubby. (laughs) You should lose weight, you know, and all this stuff. So I've always struggled with uh, my stomach, my stomach. And um, it, was sort of like a weird, I don't even know what you call it. But then I thought, you know, I have an ostomy. So in 2015, I had to have colon removal surgeries, which means I have an ostomy, which means I wear a medical pouch on the outside of my stomach that now acts as my colon because I had a stomach disease for a really long time. And so I think when I was having my little meltdown in the hospital after it happened, like <laughs> I thought this, how after is this, right? Like I spent my whole life hating my stomach and then some universe, something in the universe is saying like, oh yeah, you hate your stomach. Like, look at how much you're going to hate your stomach now. Right. And it was real. I, it was really something that I had to process through on my own. Um, 
because I just was sort of juggling this like sort of like how how weird is it that it that something that you were so obsessed about and you were so fixated on that looked normal now you're in this position where it's not normal and now it's truly different and now you have to like sit with that and how are you going to love the skin you're in now when you couldn't even love the skin you're in later so it's you know to be honest it's been a work in progress as a as a personal trainer or fitness instructor you're not excluded from the real stuff that everybody else deals with in terms of body issue, low self-esteem, body hatred, body love. Like I'm just human like the rest of us. But what I have done is a lot of the work with with a therapist to kind of help work through it and accept what is in the present moment. (laughs) Sorry, that was such a long answer. No, it's, it was beautiful. And I, I'm that sure. Truth. Like, I don't even think I really said it out loud, but um, yeah, you know, when you're by, like in your deepest, darkest head, like those are the things that like, I don't even think I've told my husband as much as, you know, how much hatred I have for my stomach. And he'll just be like, oh, that's ridiculous. Right. They don't get it. But I mean, that's my truth. You know, I hear you. You know, I also have really struggled with my stomach throughout my life. That's been the area too. And, uh, I've also had health challenges and had multiple surgeries. And so I have multiple scars all over my stomach. You can't really tell much because I have so many tattoos, um, at this point. Wow. I don't even see any. It's like, I learned something about you every time we talk, I'm trying to look for stuff. I didn't. (laughs) Well, someday when I come over to Oahu, I'll have to show them off. Um, But I, but yeah. And so it's hard, you know, like my belly button, for instance, I, I used to have the cutest little belly button and I don't have that same belly button anymore because I've had two or three surgeries that have gone through my belly button. And so my belly button has been remade multiple times and I don't know that anybody would look at it and notice necessarily, but I know. Yeah. And I definitely understand that process of having to go through like, now, how do I accept this even more when it, to me, it's even more different than I thought it was before. Right. And, um, and I also know what it feels like to get to the point where it's like, okay, I'm okay with it, which it sounds like you're at that place where maybe you're not totally in love with your stomach, but you're okay with it. Does yeah. is that, would that be true? Yes. I mean, it was, it took a long time to get here. I think, you know, it was twofold. When I went into the hospital, knowing I would have this thing, I thought I was really at at peace with it. Like in terms of, I had done a lot of research, talked to a lot of people, seen ostomies in real life. You know, I met with wonderful people in, in groups that talked me through it. At that point, I was so sick and desperate and I had tried everything. I had spent tens of thousands of dollars, every holistic food, diet, pill, potion, IV (laughs) that you could think of to like prevent this. And I I just got to the point where I was so sick and like nothing was helping that I literally did not want to wake up the next day. Like I was done. Like, and I'm not a depressed negative person, but 
it had run me down so much that I felt very like hopeless. And so I was prepared and I, and then I thought, and I knew the cosmetic you know how it would be but i think you know nothing nothing compares to like when you wake up day after and it's like in your face you know that was like really shocking to me and then you know to be honest my baby sister she came and visited me in the hospital i'd like to i like to think about like say it like okay you know like if you go in the hospital or whatever and you have surgery or something I would say, I don't know, my, some of my pregnant friends have told me this, like when you have a baby or whatever, they put you in like the grandma panties and stuff and, the di- you know, to, to deal with all of that. So, so it's not like you're, you know, you got like your hospital panties versus like your sexy panties and all that. OK, so when you're in the hospital and you have colon surgery, they hook you up with like the hospital version of, a, of an ostomy bag. OK, which is like it's see through and it's huge and bulky and it's sort of like your I don't want to say grandma panties, but, you know, it's sort of like these not your sexy lingerie, not your, you know, but um, it is what it is because you just got out of the hospital. You want to see what's going on. And so um, when my sister saw it, I saw her face when she first saw it. I thought I was fine. <laughs> and then I saw her face. She was really good. It was quick. She was really good to hide it. Bless her heart. Cause I know she didn't mean it. You know what I mean? It was just a natural reaction to what it was. But I think that's when it set in for me, like, holy shit, this is it. This is it for me. Like, this is as good as it gets now. Right. And there's no turning back. Like I knew this, like, this is my forever. This is how I'm going to die. And then, um, so then I was a little like freaked out. I think that was the first. And then my dad came and visited me. He was so uncomfortable. I think he lasted like two minutes in my hospital room he had to check. And so I, so then I felt comfortable again because like he was so uncomfortable about it. And then I thought, oh my God. And then I had a little meltdown. They kept me in the hospital for eight days and I just cried to be honest. And I, you know what? I needed those eight days, like fucking by myself, pardon my French, but by myself to kind of like cry it out. Right. I had my little pity party to be honest. And then something came over with me that's like, okay, done. Right. Like, I mourned the loss of my colon. And then I was like, okay, now I have to be, I'm going to set an example because there are so many naysayers along my journey. Uh, Friends who I thought were good friends that had like very negative reactions when they found out I would have surgery. Like they're like, that's going to change your life forever. Like you're not going to be able to do triathlon or lift heavy weights or like, have you thought about it? You know, and it's like, look, dude, don't, I've thought about it. I'm in, are you in my body? I'm in this body. Yeah. I thought about it. You think it's something I want to do? Like, you think I'm just, you know, it's like, this has been a well thought out plan, but I mean, I have no choice. And so I told that fueled me. So that's where the mindset comes in again, where my mind was so like, (sighs) to be, it was the first, it's like, I'm going to show you. That was the first react. That was my first thought. I know it doesn't sound good, but then it was like, I'm going to show everybody out there that this doesn't define me. And this doesn't stop me that now I'm going to show you, I can do everything I've done before, maybe in a little different way, but it's not going to stop me. And then it was very self-serving at first. I spent a really like the good first year after recovery, after surgery, um, falling back into old patterns, which is letting my mind have such fuel by like these, these doubters that I, I kind of entered sort of like this t- funnel tunnel vision of just like, 
I'm going to show you. And what did that? So I started competing right away. I think six months after surgery. Um, and again, that was me sort of falling back into these old bad behaviors because I felt I needed to prove to people who didn't even effing matter that I could still do this thing. So I suffered the first year after surgery because I was just still caught up in this. I have to show you, I have to prove to you, even though I am damaged, defective, deformed, that I can still perform. And then I suffered that first year after surgery. And I think I had to revisit in terms of like, why am I doing this to myself again? Right. I, the same mindset, that same tunnel vision, that same body, pound your body to the ground punishment led me to this place with surgery. Right. That's how what happened to kind of that kind of pushed that train along in terms of running my body into the ground to where, you know, I became super sick and then it got really out of control. And then now I'm healed or I'm in remission because I had this surgery and I'm reverting back to old behavior. So it was that, it was like that little kind of like click light bulb. It was also um, me realizing that I was kind of using exercise and dieting as sort of a distraction from probably feelings that I still didn't want to settle with and deal with. And after working through that, then I started to appreciate like, wow, this is the first time I'm not having to run to the bathroom 30 times a day because I have the stomach disease. This is a, I'm like, I'm able to work out and perform well and not get all these gastrointestinal issues and all this cramping issues and all this blood in my stool issues because I'm healthy now. Like I don't have to deal with this colon thing anymore. And then, so it was a slow process, but it kind of finally got to this point where it's like, no longer I'm going to show you. It became like, I'm going to show me, right? Like I'm going to show me and do me and appreciate like all that my body can now do for me and have more gratitude for that versus like battling against it. You know, and I, I spent a really long time battling my body and I kind of, I kind of explained it to some people. Like I felt like I was in a boxing match with my body and I was like, you're not gonna, you're gonna, I'm going to beat you to submission. You're just going to do what I say. You're going to like, you know, you're going to eat this little calories and you're going to do all this exercise and you're going to be this weight. And then at the end of the day, like my body kind of TKO'd my ass out. I was like, no, we're going to do it my way. You have no control. (laughs) Yeah. I love that. You know, and that leads me to one of my questions, because I'm hearing you got to a place of greater self-love and self-acceptance um, and a place where it is about, you know, you appreciating your body and all that your body does. Um, what is a self-love or a self-care practice um, that's helped you in making that transformation? I saw that question. It's a tough one. I mean, to be honest, it, it got it took a lot of like getting knocked down and learning the hard way. Um, and sort of doing this, what did they say? Like insanity is doing the same thing over and over and expecting a different result to finally start to like realize like something's not working, something's not working. And then I think what, what happened was I, 
I started to switch my mindset around exercise as exercise should be punishment and you need to suffer into pursuing exercise that made me feel empowered, which for me, it was like focusing on strength training more and not so much on the racing and cardio side. And then utilizing my strengths in that arena in terms of lifting heavy weight, doing certain moves that require a lot of technique, letting my body perform um, and, and focus more on like a performance pool that has helped. So that's, so it was weird because I did, you know, exercise is actually like more of a self-hatred activity early on, but it's really truly transitioned to a self-love activity that I do now. Um, I think another thing helped was, um, I had early on last year for, I think eight months, we tried for like to have a baby and, and go through, and I was settled like IUI, IVF, doing all that things. I knew what my goal was. My goal was to be as healthy and as, you know, have a very like low stress, balanced hormonal system to be able to try and get pregnant. So that was a big shift for me too, that okay, we are no longer exercising for weight loss or a look. We are exercising just to be healthy so that we can possibly carry a baby. And so that helped me too, to have more self-love. And to be totally honest, as I was going through it, especially when we started to hit the IVF cycle and it was all these injections and all these things that were happening, I started to fall back into old patterns, which was an over-exercise and under-eating. And I really, and then I reached out to my therapist more and said, hey, look, like I would I have the mindfulness to know enough that I'm reverting back to bad behaviors, but I don't want to do that. Right. So how can we? figure out what do I need to do so that we can, so that I don't, I don't try to sabotage my ultimate goal. Right. Um, Cause like I said, that inner critic is always sitting on, on my shoulder here. always telling me like, you know, no, you don't want to do that. You want to come over here and do this. So it was just kind of like viewing my body as a more, I know it sounds sort of like cliche, but more of a, as sort of like this vessel for a bigger purpose. I mean, I'm not saying like your body has to give, you know, birth to have it a bigger purpose or nothing like that. I just had, I had been lived in this body for so long as sort of like a machine that this machine was just supposed to produce a result in a, in a race, in a time on the scale. Um, and I just had switched it to, okay, no, it's totally different. We're not, we're, we're trying to, you know, produce a different result and how we're going to get there. It's going to be like, something that's sustainable and stress-free so yeah so yeah so i'm hearing as using as a self-love practice exercise but having to go through the experience of transforming exercise from what it was in the past with like self-hatred and punishment which i can definitely relate to feeling that way um and getting into a place where it's it's a form of body love and you're doing it to strengthen. So like the, I'm hearing you say that with like less of the focus on cardio and racing and more on strength training and, um, and like the performance as opposed to like the number on the scale or the race time and, and those other metrics that are really more outside ourselves yeah. that we get caught up in because they're sexier, <laughs> right? Like it's, 
Um, yeah, well, they, it's at. immediate, right? Like if you yeah. starve and you overexercise a little bit, you'll lose some on the skin. People, that's an immediate high, right? I think it's, yeah, definitely just looking, I think it's it comes down to just, I, a self-love is just having gratitude for my body that I can be able to now wake up and do the things that I can, I want to do exercise wise and strength training wise, pain-free that I am fit to be able to carry my own groceries and like move, you know, stuff on my own and, you know, lug dog food up and downstairs or whatever, just all these little things that I never really thought, you know, I never really thought about, right. That are like, yeah. I'm healthy. I'm, I'm fit. Um, that, why does it, that should be good enough, right? Like, why does it have to be you're only healthy and fit if you look like X or you're only healthy and fit if you look like Y. So it's been my kind of lead by example, like, Hey, look, I'm not the leanest trainer. I do have highs and lows. I do go through, you know, higher weights and less weights, but that doesn't make me any less, you know, um, important or valued or, um, and any doesn't make me any less fit. It's just, you know, why are we set that your body should be this one size? I mean, it's seasons, things change. We age, right? We have families, we have kids, we don't have kids, we have stress, we have loved ones, you know, we have love, we have, we have lost, we lost the loved ones. And it should be like, our body should kind of just transition too with this, with the changes. And I think just talking about that more and normalizing that, that shift, um, that yeah. the only goal shouldn't be weight loss is important yeah. for people to know. Um, well, I, I've shared this with Arliss and I think you know as well, Leanne, like I gained, I think, 25 pounds um, since last year. And I actually feel really fit and great in my skin yeah. and Ooh. love myself even more in a way that I did not expect. And uh, I think um, it really is about seeing yourself as like healthy and fit in your own skin in the moment and like with what you've got. Um, I did like an Instagram reel where, um, you know, I talked about gaining weight in COVID and I was like, you know what? Your body just survived uh, like a pandemic. Hey, Your body kept you healthy through this time. Thank God for your body that it did that. Right. Like, why are we so upset that, you know, there's, you know, maybe a little more jiggle somewhere that we're not expecting or that, you know, it doesn't look like it used to look. When, you know, we just serve, our body just took us through that. That's amazing. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. But I, I also hear you too with the, um, the negative patterns. Um, can you share a little bit about like, how do you, how do you get back to a place of reconnection? You mentioned like reaching out to your therapist. Um, yes. What else I comes think- up? So, the, you know, tying back to the self-care, I've, I've tried all different things. I'm just not the type of person to journal or really meditate or do any of that. Um, so that's why I said exercise. And again, I want people to know, though, that exercise, it's, it's a fine line, right? Like anything good can turn bad. So make sure exercise is if that's your self-care, that it's sustainable and it's safe and sound. But so when the negative... I feel solid in that at this point in my life that I reach out for support. And it never used to be that way. Cause I was always like a do it yourself kind of girl, like do it yourself, muscle it, you know, don't be weak, suck it up, push it down. Don't talk about it. 
people run it out kind of person. Like I used exercise as my therapy and people don't always, people hear that all the time, right? Oh, exercise is my therapy. No, exercise ain't your therapy. Exercise is the distraction from therapy. I'm a super advocate for people going to therapy. All my clients know this. I always tell them, hey, look, are you seeing somebody? Are you talking with somebody? Just having this third party or this other person that has like a total unbiased opinion, no opinion, just and not related to you, can't kind of like put anything through rose-colored glasses. That is my main thing. If you feel like negative inner voices or critics coming out or you're reverting back to negative behaviors or old patterns, reach out for support, right? Whether it be a spouse, a friend, a loved one, a, a family member. But again, if people are open, I always tell them, you know, if you have good by the means and good insurance and you can go look for a professional, I highly recommend it. It was a game changer for me. It was a, it's a super stigma amongst the local native Hawaiian community. Cause my parents always like, Hey, why are you talking to other people, strangers about your shit? And they just don't get it. Um, so I, I always try to advocate for people, especially like local native Hawaiian people to, if you have the means seek outside professional support because that's the best you know there that's their wheelhouse um we can talk about it all day in training but i'm not a professional therapist so you know find somebody who can help you and i have i always have a few recommendations i keep in my back pocket of ladies that i that i've um, worked with over the years um because i've probably been in in and out of consistent therapy since i was in college um so it's been a long time yeah I, think I love that. That is so important. You know, I, um, I see a therapist regularly. Well, we don't see each other anymore because of COVID, right. but we, we talk every other week and I've been communicating with the same therapist since 2013. Yeah. In fact, we realized that this week we had celebrated eight years wow. of being in community you know, consistent communication with each other. And it's, and you're absolutely right. It's a total game changer because not only does it, you know, take away the whole, you know, am I personally offending somebody with, by saying this, or, you know, what, um, what angle is this person going to use when they talk, you know, talk to me about whatever I'm talking about. It takes away all of that. But she also helps me remember where I've come from and she helps me celebrate. And I'm sure that that help happens for you too, with your therapy. Um, and so I love that you're such a big proponent of that. And, and I really believe in it too. Good. I'm glad. I think more people need to talk about it. Um, yeah, you know, I've seen her so long. She put me on maintenance. So I kind of call her on an as needed basis. But um, yeah, it's just amazing. The thing is this and I, you know, it's work. But people think I think they think sometimes like like with me, some, sometimes people think, oh, I'm paying you such good money. The result should come easy. No, you're paying me good money, but you still got to do the work. Right. And at the end of the day, therapy is a lot of deep work and uncomfortable. And you have to be willing to sit with it and you have to like be willing to like focus on stuff. And some people and the biggest thing I hear when I try to tell clients sometimes that are resistant, that I have nothing to talk about. And I said, great. That's a perfect time. You need to go to therapy when there's not no major drama, urgency, 
clouding all the emotions that are going on. And you'd be surprised when you think you walk in there. I have nothing to say, doc. I have nothing to say, doc. Those are some of your like most breakthrough sessions when you feel like you don't got stuff to say. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I love that. I'm a huge proponent of therapy as well. I think it's um, like looking outside yourself to get someone else's opinion um, is just so important because we all get caught up in our stories. Um, and also it's just a means of us feeling that connection, um, you know, like somebody who really understands us and is on our side. And I think um, I think we all need somebody like that. Especially, you know, just like you were talking about, Leanne, like not all of us grew up with parents who were the support that we needed. So it's, you know, there, there can even be parts of it that can be re reparenting our inner child based on what happened when we were kids. And, um, you know, what, what happened to us was not our fault, but, you know, the healing is our responsibility right. um, because we're the ones who have to live with what happened right. um, within us and, you know, all that kind of stuff. So... Yeah, I want people to know, too, therapists, I mean, they call you on your BS, you know, they're not there to sugarcoat it, tell you what you want to hear. They don't they don't they could do to give two F's about it. Right. So that's what I like, too, because I usually find that I'm so adamant about something happening to me as a certain way. Right. And then they're able to just let me see. Like, but I you know, we have our rose colored glasses on the way we behave and what we expect in terms of other people's reaction. And then they're able to really give you like this outside perspective. Be like, nah, maybe you approached it wrong. You know, what about if you looked at it this one? I'm like, really? Really? I think one time I was having an argument with my husband and to talk it out on therapy. The therapist was like, wow, you were pretty hostile. <gasps> I was like, hostile. <laughs> I'm like, I am not a hostile person. She said, that was pretty hostile. So it just makes you like, you know, like they call you out on your BS. Like I was so in it. And I was so like, I'm going to, I'm going to tell her about this. She's going to be like, yeah, you were right, Leanne. And the first thing she's like, you were being hostile. So I was like, okay, okay, doc. I know I'll work on it. Got my homework, less hostility towards the husband. <laughs> That's awesome. I love I that. Hard. I, I listen and I do the work, you know, I'm real, I'm open to it. That's why. Cause I know it's like, you know, okay, like this is going to help me. So takes two, right? So yeah. Therapy. <laughs> love hate. Right. <laughs> So one of the things that you've talked about so much during this podcast, which I have to say, like, this has got to be one of the funnest ones we've done so far, which I think Diana and I say every time, but it's true. It just gets better and better. Um, you know, one of our questions is, you know, how do you overcome societal norms or, you know, fly in the face of what society expects? And you've talked a lot about that, you know, being a trainer. And, you know, not fitting the look, like you've, you've said, you don't fit the exact look of what people would, you know, consider a trainer. And you have this, you know, health, um, which was a blessing, you know, this health change, which was a blessing, but it makes you different in a way than people would expect trainers. So how do you work with that? And, and how has it been a gift in your life? I think... You know, first off, I mean, 
I think first off, yeah, I had to come, I had to come to the acceptance myself, right? That took a really long time, to be honest. I mean, I'm 44. It probably took late only within the last three years, to be honest. It's been, it's, you know, like anything, it's a forever work in progress, right? But what I decided was that first I was like, who says, like, why do I keep saying this thing, right? Like how a trainer is supposed to look, how a trainer is supposed to look. I've been playing this narrative. I keep telling, in my head, I'm telling myself, or when I talk to myself, I like, I play this narrative all the time, like, well, I was a triathlete, but I was always like the heavier triathlete. Like I wasn't the ideal triathlete, right? And then when I ran marathons, well, I wasn't the thinnest marathoner. I didn't really look like a marathoner. I looked more like a cyclist. And then I was, and then now I became a trainer. Like, well, I don't really, and then I was like, what the hell? Like I am perpetuating this false narrative, right? Who says, who gets to say a trainer has to be somebody shredded with apps, right? I mean, some of those people are the most unhealthy people. I mean, I've been around bodybuilders, figure competitors, I triathletes, marathoners. Some of the most ripped looking people are the most unhealthiest, unfittest people because the way they go about doing it. Right. But what I first had to do was like, yeah, stop perpetuating this false idea that you have to fit this mold. Where did you get this mold? Who says a trainer has to look like X? So then that was the first thought. That's always a work in progress, though. I mean, every day you're always like, yeah, you know, like you're battling that inner critic. So that was the first thing. Like, I'm just going to own it. Like, then I started to just like put myself out there a little bit more. Okay, I'm going to show my videos and I'm, and no filter, no editing. And then you see what you see. And that was scary as hell. That's still scary as hell. But like anything, the more you do it, the more like the exposure therapy the less intense it is. And then you just keep doing it and you forget about it. So it was like, okay, so if I'm going to say, if I'm going to fight this, this narrative that a trainer looks like X and I'm going to tell myself who says that, who said the trainer God said trainers got to look like this. Then I'm going to start to show the example trainer can look also like me and set a new, like, this is what a trainer looks like. No, really, this is what a real trainer looks like. That is having fun, living life, being healthy and balanced, but still doing the thing. And it just really started with me, I think, showing like, okay, me working out, showing my workouts. Yeah, I work hard. I do this. Showing like how my body moves, how it looks and moves. And then just kind of talking about that and normalizing that. And you know what? That is like still a sensitive part for me personally. So it's been a very slow work in progress. Ideally, I would like to be more open with me moving my body with an ostomy because right now, unless I talk about it, people won't really, people don't know really unless I show it or tell about it. And I kind of know in my heart that my next like breakthrough in terms of my self-love is to get to that point where here's my pouch. Here's me spotting with my pouch. Like I look, I follow a ton of ostomy folks that do amazing things that have no problems taking pictures. We have ostomy day and they're doing it and they're showing their pouch. And I aspire to be there one day. I'm slowly trying to move there, but it's, it's been a tough road to like fully commit and be all in. So I'm always like looking for suggestions or to work with other people to be like, you know, how do you fully 
embrace that part of yourself that you're not so sure about. And for me, I've just settled on it's going to take time. And I feel like when I'm ready, I'll kind of know I'm ready. And um, but yeah, so that's kind of where it's at. I mean, that really resonates for me, Leanne. It was part of what I really, what drew me to working with you in the first place was your openness about not being like every personal trainer. And I think that, um, I think that there are a lot of folks who resonate with like, you know, not feeling like the glamorized or the, um, maybe like the mainstream wellness industry, like speaks to them. So I think that, you know, like your voice really stood out to me as somebody who wasn't like um, trying to punish me to lose 10 pounds or, you know, anything like that. That it was like that it was like, nope, I'm loving my body as this is. Um, So I hear you feeling like you're stepping into it. And um, I hope you see that I see you stepping into it. Thank you. I really appreciate that. (laughs) You're a freaking inspiration. Like, I can't wait. You better like tag me in the comments when you post that picture, Leanne, because I want to celebrate you. Oh, thank you. I know. It's like, but every time I'm like, I don't know, you know, so. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I think it's it's like always hard, but I like, I appreciate you recognizing like where you feel your next step is and um, being honest that like, you're not quite ready for it, you know? And like, Like, it's okay to be in that place where you're loving yourself where you're at, knowing that there is and will be a higher level when you're ready for it. And that's what I think I want people to know, too. It's like, you know, nobody, nobody can sort of run your race, so to speak, set your path. They can only help, you know, you navigate it and that it's really going to be about you know, doing what's most comfortable for you at the time. And like, just because you're a trainer or you're a doctor or you're an attorney, I mean, we don't have all the answers and we're just as imperfect and make mistakes like everybody else. And we have the same fears. And, you know, I think it was really hard. I, to be honest, I found being, I became a personal trainer purely out of vanity reasons. Yeah. And, um, I was guilty of training clients all the shitty ways that trainers train clients when you're a new trainer and people are coming to you to just lose a lot of weight really fast. And you, that's what you do. And I just was like, I don't want to do this anymore. These people, this is just not good for people. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And And so with that, like, what would you say um, would be some of your closing thoughts? Like, what do you want to leave our listeners with as a, um, as we close out? I think I want to tell people that, you know, I think health and wellness even though sometimes it sounds scary and this big to do that I think most of us tend to overcomplicate it. Um, You don't need to hire a a trainer like me to get you to do the things. I think it's just about um, moving your body a little bit, you know, every day fueling your body with, you know, 80% whole great foods. And as for the 20%, just as for the rest of your best and, and asking yourself, like, am I 
waking up pain-free? Can I move throughout the day pain-free? Can I get up from the couch? Can I walk upstairs? Can I keep up with my kids? Can I travel? Can I go hiking and do all the things that I want pain-free? And I think that's what I want you to be there focused to be is to lead with that, right? And not some, I have this 25-year high school reunion coming up or my wedding is in 12 weeks or, you know, I want to do this bikini show at the end of the year. You know, I try to make it much when it when you have some meat to your bones in terms of your why for doing the thing, that's the thing that will stick. You know, everything else is fleeting. Yeah, I love that. Uh, and lo- then, oh, go ahead, Arliss. I love that. I love, you know, and I'll just, um, what I hear you saying is keep it simple, keep yeah. it attainable. And know your why and make your why much more important than the instant gratification. Exactly. Yeah. This is the, this is the rest of your life. Not the 12, just 12 weeks. Right. Yeah. And so Leanne, our listeners, if they want to find out more about you, they want to work with you. She does virtual work too, guys. She's amazing. She works with me virtually. Um, Where can people find you? Well, I think the best way is probably on Instagram. I'm at Leanne Watanabe. My website is LeanneWatanabe.com. But I try to post at least every day just to offer education and content in all realms of food and fitness that kind of really speak to my style and my training philosophy, which is, yep, mindfulness, some heavy lifting and moderating your food so that no food is off limits. <laughs> I love That's that. Awesome. Well, thank you, Leanne, for being with Diana and I today. We are so honored that you took the time to chat with us. And this has been your powerhouse. This has been oh, an amazing podcast. We're just I'm, so grateful to have had you on. Thank you so much for having me. I super appreciate you guys, you know, um, letting me come on and talk about what I love to do. I really appreciate the opportunity. Awesome. And Diana, I wanted to ask you, what are we talking about next week? It's just going to be you and I again. Yes. So next week we're talking about in honor of, um, of this month of pride month, we are speaking about body positivity and sexuality. So really looking forward to that discussion. I think it's going to be it's going to be a fun and sexy one. Yeah, <laughs> it sounds hot. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> awesome. Uh, well, we'll see you all next week on the Body Positivity Podcast. Give another thanks to our guest, Leanne, today. Thanks. And uh, we'll see you next week. All right. Thanks, bye. Leanne. Aloha. Bye. bye.